Well, I want to say I love you. I want to say I'm excited. I don't want to belabor. Tomorrow morning, we have some of the greatest preachers on the planet with us. So I'll let them do some of the heavy lifting. I'm just going to hug some babies and kiss some cheeks. Amen? Is that what you say? Shake hands, hug some babies? I don't know what it is. Take some pictures? I don't know. Just flowing tonight. <laughs> I, uh, I'm just excited, man. I just, we're in a crazy season of, of life right now. I don't know if you've noticed, but it um, seems like my Bible and the newspaper keep bumping into each other. And uh, we're living in this wild window of history. And if there's anything that you want to know about our church and what we believe, we believe that God can change anything. God can change anyone, anywhere, at any time. We believe nothing's outside of God's reach. Nothing's outside of God's pay grade. There is nothing. Are you hearing me tonight? It says all the earth fits in the span of his hands. God can change things quickly. We talked about this earlier this year. We essentially talked about a series that if you weren't here for it, we believe prophetically that it wasn't by accident that California would have record rainfall. Wouldn't be by accident that the aqueducts, that are reservoirs, that they said would take decades to refill. All the experts. I love the experts. Who loves the experts? You're probably in the tents tonight. You can't afford to live here unless you're an expert in something. All the experts, though. I'm not hating on you. I'm just saying the experts said there's no way that we'll get out of drought unless there's 10 or 20 years of crazy rain. And I love that when we say things as experts, God laughs. God's like, really? And God would fill aqueducts and reservoirs and dams. He would do more in one winter than they thought could be done in 20 years. And I can't help but to think maybe that was a natural picture of what God could do spiritually. Change things quickly. Do you believe it? Shout amen. Well, I got to settle down. I got to pace myself tonight. If you have your Bible, Numbers chapter 13 is where I want to go. Quick message tonight. And I just, I, I had this just reverberating through my soul and my spirit. Because I think, quite frankly, there's a lot of things that we hear every single day, quite frankly, that are not true. Can we agree on that? I would say the majority of what we hear actually probably are partial truths. Most of what we listen to, what we hear, what we read. Because the truth is, is stuff can be pure from God and it's completely true. It can be from man, which can be partially true and partially air. And there can be things from hell and the devil himself that are completely air. Did you know that? I don't know if you know this, but actually Satan actually means, I, I, this is kind of fun fact tonight, but Satan himself, it means that Satan means adversary. The devil translates slanderer. And that's why slander, which is kind of the language of our times, slander is the signature of the insecure. And we're living in a very insecure window of history. And I believe that God is looking for brave men and brave women that will trust him at his word. That would be willing to actually chew on the meat of his word and spit out the bones of our culture. I'm going to go hard. Is that all right to go hard tonight? I got this passage I want to read. It says this, that God was willing to send some spies into the land. These spies were hand-selected by Moses. By who? Moses in Numbers chapter, Numbers chapter 13 is where we're going to turn quickly. Numbers chapter 17 says that Moses sent spies out into the land of Canaan, to, to, and he said to them, go up this way into the south, go into the mountains, see what the land is like. Check it out. Someone say assess it. I want you to see, uh, I want you to see a couple things. Whether the people who dwell in the land are strong or if they're weak. Then after you assess if they're strong or weak, I want you to also take notice, are there a lot of them or a few of them? And then whether the land they dwell in is a good land or a bad land. Whether the cities they inhabit are like camps that we can just kind of blow through and take over or whether they're strongholds and fortified. Whether the land is rich or it's poor. Whether the forest there is there or, or not. But I need you to do one thing for me, guys. Be of good courage. Be of good courage. And uh, bring some of the fruit out of the land. Now, the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So this is like prime time. This is the time of year you want to stop at the fruit stand. Can I get an amen? 
So we go on, and it says this, the spies return. We know the story if we've been in church for a while. The spies return, 12 spies returned after 40 days, verse 25, of spying out the land. And they departed and came to Moses and Aaron and the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. And they brought back word to them of all the congregation in front of everybody. And they showed them the fruit of the land. They said, we went to the land that you sent us into. It truly flows with milk, honey, Chick-fil-A, and in and out This is the fruit of this beautiful place. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land, they're strong. Cities are fortified. Very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, Jewishites, Parasites, Cellulites, all of them were there. Tough people to get rid of. <laughs> then Caleb quieted the people down and Moses. He said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able. He didn't just say they're able. He said we're well able to overcome it. But the man who got up said, we are not able to go up against these people. Uh, they're stronger than we are. They're, they're, they're bigger than we are. They're wealthier than we are. They got more than we have. They got great, great fortified cities, and, and it says that the land that, um, that, that, that they're in, the, these spies we went into, it actually devours its inhabitants. That's how they describe the promised land, a place that will eat you alive. How many people moved to Hollywood, moved to New York City, got ate alive? This place devours those who inhabit it. And the people who saw it were men of great stature. We also saw some giants. There were giants there. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. Verse, verse 1, chapter 14 is where we wrap up this, this evening. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and they cried. What did they do? They cried and they wept that night. They cried and they wept that night. Let's keep reading for fun. And the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and said to the whole congregation of them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness, it would have been better to die than to face these bad odds. Paraphrase. Mark Francie translation. Can I pray? Lord, we love you. We thank you that you are the God that can take the head off of any giant. You are the God that when you're with us, we can leap over a wall. We can run against a troop. We can do things outside of the norm normal parameters and limitations of humanity. So tonight we come not as one or two bold men and women. We come as the bride of Christ unified. We say the earth belongs to the Lord. We say that California belongs to Jesus. And we declare, Lord, that you're doing something on the earth today that we want to talk about in eternity. Holy Spirit, raise up your bride. Do it now. Use us. We ask and we pray. In Jesus' name, and someone with a little faith, shout an amen. 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 I want to talk to you tonight about this subject matter. Who told you that? Who told you that? Who told you that? Have you ever noticed that kids say the craziest stuff? I don't know if you've ever had a child. I don't know if you've ever been a kid before find someone to respond tonight anybody used to be a kid okay cool um so we uh we had these you know people ask what i do for a living i'm like i got i got two you know little people that i'm in charge of they work for me right they're i'm commanding two young people around and i i'm, I'm a leader of two little human beings and when you have two children I'm, some of you have more than me i mean we have the chios they populated the, the fourth tent back there um thank you appreciate those families that are just being fruitful multiplying taking that thing seriously come on Perkies are somewhere back there in the fourth tent. Um, listen, this is awesome. But here, I love this idea that, uh, you know, it's crazy that, that kids just say crazy stuff. No filter, zero filter. You always appreciate kids because you just know where they stand. I'm still in the process of discipling my, my, my eight-year-old. Uh, we'll walk through the airport. If she's something out of the norm, if she sees something out of the norm, she's going to let me know. She doesn't understand the whole concept of inside voice. Still working on that. I've had some awkward moments. She's got quite the personality on her, though. She likes to tell me all the time. She goes, Dad, I got mom's good looks, but I got your personality. Real humble daughter I have. 
Kenzie and Chloe are both, they're both comedians. They both have a beautiful sense of humor. Both are, uh, unfortunately, just really gorgeous at a young age. I was hoping, I was praying they'd be late bloomers. Anybody else? Any dads in here? They're like, man, I hope they peak out at like 29. <laughs> I'll hold back a little bit here tonight. Um, you know, I was thinking about this, though, is, uh, you know, I have, these, I have these daughters, and they just say crazy, you know, crazy stuff sometimes. You know, you just, your kids just don't know what they, what they don't know, and they, they just say things. And uh, sometimes it can be a little crazy, a little awkward, a little embarrassing. Um, I remember uh, after, uh, you know, this was uh, just, just funny times. Sometimes, sometimes they just say funny things. Like, we were on a hike a couple weeks back, or maybe it was about a, about a month ago, and uh, my younger daughter says, she goes, Daddy, we're out in the wilderness, and she says, Dad, I love being out in the wildness just cute. I have this file called the Chloe file. And I write down all the cute things that she says. Can't say all of them publicly because some of them are just family stories. Amen. But um, I was thinking about this. We were at staff retreat. We brought our staff down to San Diego for a couple of days. And one night we brought all the kids, all the pastors, all the staffs, all, all, the, all their kids into this little like hotel ballroom. And uh, Pastor Chloe Francie, eight years old. She comes up to me, and she goes, uh, Dad, after this song, you got to get up here and pray. These kids aren't going to make it much longer. She was serious as a heart attack. We were praying one night. She looked at me. She said, Dad, when you were praying, my eyes were getting watery, and my throat was getting itchy. I was about to cry. This was 8 20, 23. She said, Dad, in the car, man, I have a good life. I was like, Yes, you do. You're welcome. We had a family dinner. This is about uh, two months ago. Family dinner. We were going around the table talking about what we love about each other, we appreciate about each other. And Chloe starts complimenting her older sister, Kenzie. And she says, Kenzie, you're the best big sister. And you're a little funny. But it's okay, you'll get there. That timing was on, was on par. It's crazy what kids say. It's crazy, you know, and, I, and again, I'm not trying to uncover any one of your kids or my kids, but I would say it works both ways. Kids say funny, cute things, and sometimes kids will repeat things that you're like, Chloe, come here. I'll ask two questions. I'll say, where did you hear that? They're like, Pastor Joel. I'm like, Pastor Joel. I always ask two questions. I'll say, where did you hear that? Second question, who told you that? Who told you that? Who told you that? You never heard me say that. I know you've never heard your mom say that. Mom's never cussed. Mom's never even used that word, shut up. Mom traces her lineage back to Gabriel and Michael. This is obviously from my side of the family. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, both angels on both sides. I, uh, I was thinking about how what we hear has such a major role of what we believe about life. It's wild that if you can get around negativity long enough, it'll just catch all over you. Yeah. Unbelief is like a rotten strawberry. Yeah. And that one rotten strawberry, if you leave it in there, touching all the other strawberries will infect everything else. Yeah. I am persuaded. I am convinced that it just takes a little bit of unbelief. It's crazy how unbelief spreads like, like a disease. But the good news is so does faith. I also believe that faith is contagious. I believe that courage is contagious. And sometimes all it takes is one person standing up saying, we got it! To remind people that maybe we can do something great. I love this story because it reminds us of some of the major lessons about life and, and about walking with God.
Most people think that, man, well, just great things are going to happen by themselves. And here's what I know about the Bible, and this is what's cool about the story, is uh, when we read Numbers 14, here's what the first thing I want to point out to you that we don't usually think about, is uh, we read the story, 12 spies, 10 were negative, 10 were negative, 10 were like, we can't do it, California's going to hell. California's going to fall into the ocean. I'm like, yeah, Ocean's Church. All the way in. It's falling in. God, I don't know, man. America's going to hell. No hope. Just like bad people are in charge. There's globalist agendas. And, and there's just a wicked cabal. And all that may be true. But I just got to, like, I got to remind you tonight, like, who are you listening to? I would ask you tonight, when you start getting full of fear and doubt and worry, I want to ask you a simple question. Who told you that? I think most of what we believe to be true and possible in life, it's based upon which voice we're willing to listen to. I am convinced most people do nothing in life because they say, God can't do nothing. And you're right, because that's what you believe. And other people believe, oh God, you know, I could start a human sex trafficking organization, stop this in different nations all over the earth. I'll call it A21. I'll start a women's ministry called Propel. We'll shake heaven and earth. We'll touch continents. We'll shake nations. We'll change the world. And you're right. Because it really depends on who are you listening to. Notice what we know about the story is God, let me tell you what God does not need about your life, my life, or this church. God, number one, does not need your conclusions. Well, I've kind of been doing the math on this scenario, and if I move to California, and I, I sell everything that I own, and I liquidate all of my assets, and I bankroll a, a church plant, which they say is about, like, I don't know, 75% possible if I start with an organization called ARC that we won't fail, but it, that doesn't mean that's going to be successful. It just means that we probably won't close down in the first year or two, uh, but that's like in the Bible Belt. So in California, maybe like 25% chance starting a church in Orange County, in a high school or a junior high school. But let, you know what, it's just kind of crazy. Uh, God did not ask Rochelle and I to do the math. God doesn't need you to calculate. He doesn't need you to go, hey, what do you think I can do? Like, you think like, okay, if like you obey me now and you break up with Jezebel and maybe you look for Boaz, stop, taking, stop dating broke as, come on, stop. Mean as, you gotta get rid of some of these asses. Come on, somebody. AZ, come on, Boaz, come on, stay with me tonight. Sometimes we like, we like, we don't want to like listen. We don't want to obey. We just want to like, we want to do what we want, how we want, when we want. And we're like, God, you saying this? Let me think about it. And I, I love these guys, but here's the first thing I want to point out to you is these were not like 10 bad people. These were the greatest men out of three and a half million, million human beings. Listen, three and a half, maybe, maybe somewhere between three and four million people. And here's who picked them. The greatest leader of the generation, his name's Moses. These guys were not random. They didn't draw straws out of three million. They weren't playing giant games of paper, rock, scissors. Moses, greatest leader of his day, one of the most famous leaders in history. He goes, I know everyone from every tribe. Know, I, know, I know some of the greatest men from every single tribe of Israel. I want the best from every tribe. So you know who got it wrong with unbelief? Do you know who got it wrong with fear? You know who got it wrong with partial obedience? The 10 hand-selected men from the great leader, general, patriarch, Moses. Which leads me to believe that God himself can call people into ministry. And we still have the choice to get it wrong. We can say, God called me. I'm called to be a pastor. I'm called to be an attorney. I'm called to be a doctor. I'm called to be an educator. I'm called to be an entrepreneur. And maybe you are called. Moses called 10, but 10 out of 12, they didn't listen all the way. They only listened to some of the instructions. What was not asked of them is, listen, he said, go check out the land. What, what, what they asked him was, is he said, hey, I need you to assess the land. I need you to be of good courage, and I need you to bring back fruit. Three things. Say with me. Say with me. Say with me. Assess the land. I need you to be of good courage, 
and I need you to bring back the fruit. You know why we got to bring back the fruit? Because we got to remind ourselves what we're fighting for. Because no one's losing their life over fruit that does not matter. I, I'm, not I'm not risking everything to move somewhere that has a couple little dried up raisins on the ground. You show me fruit that's worth fighting for. You show me fruit that resembles the promise. Are you hearing me tonight? You show me a fruit that's willing to leverage my life, my existence, and my internal impact with, and I'll show you that fruit is worth a, a fruit worth fighting for. He says, assess the land, be of good courage, and bring back some fruit. It's all he asked him to do. But he didn't say, uh, let's just kind of factor here. Um, what do you think the likelihood is statistically? You know what they did is they took it upon themselves to draw conclusions. Well, we saw it. We did what you said. We saw it. it it's, it's legit. Too legit. Too legit to quit. But I, 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 I just like, I saw the fruit taste. Like, the fruit's, it's amazing. Um, but we, we started talking to each other and we saw them, their cities fortified. Like people get swallowed up in Orange County. People go bankrupt. People lose their marriages. People lose their morality. Absolute power seems to absolutely corrupt. So we saw these giants and uh, we concluded that we're like grasshoppers compared to these giants. So the first thing that God does not need, if I was speaking to the 10 tonight, is he doesn't need your conclusions. The second thing he doesn't need is he doesn't need to know your likelihood of success. You know what they did is they started factoring, like from a military standpoint, there is no flipping way. I know who we've been growing up with. I know we were formerly slaves. I mean, none of us are like trained military militia. You got Goliath's descendants up over here. You got the descendants of Anak over here. They're nine feet tall, 12 toes, 12 fingers, four eyes. Come on. Crazy. Bad odds. But God did not ask them to bring back a statistical chart of how likely success would be. Didn't need him to conclude anything. Didn't need him to look up the likelihood of, of success. And here's what God didn't need. God didn't need them to be realistic. I'm just a realist. Yeah, you know what we say all the time? We say we're realists because we want to cover up how negative we are. How full of unbelief we live with. I'm just trying to be, I'm trying to be realistic. It's wild that it was realistic people that talked a generation out of the promised land. It was realistic. Listen to me. It wasn't the giants that talked the Israelites out of the promised land. It wasn't the demons of hell. It wasn't Satan himself. It was their own brothers. It was their own sisters. It was other people in the body of Christ that talked them out of their promised land. I don't, I don't know if we can do it. We're trying to be realistic. We ran the numbers. We ran the likelihood. Vegas has odds. Not good odds. Yeah. <laughs> and the last thing I believe that, that God would say is to these guys is he didn't ask them to bring back the news of men. I don't need you to be the newsmen for other human beings. I need you to bring back my news. I want you to bring back my report. I just asked you to do three things. Assess the land. I asked you to look at the land with good courage. And I asked you that when you looked at it with good courage to bring some fruit back. That's all I asked you to do. But you know what happens? I've learned this is that disbelief will always start with disbelief, but it never stops with disbelief. When you stop listening to God's voice, the first thing that will happen to you is you will get into disbelief. And when disbelief sets in long enough, you will go into discouragement. 
Do you know why our generation is so discouraged? Because we are so vacant of listening to God's voice. We are so absorbed listening to the voice of men on TikTok, listening to the voice of men on Fox News, listening to the voice of men on CNN. We're, we're so full of the voice of men that we're so full of unbelief that we're discouraged because disbelief leads to discouragement. Are you with me tonight? And if you get discouraged long enough, you yourself will start to blaspheme God. You know what blasphemy is? Is they literally said it would have been better for us to die non-believers than to follow God, face giants, and have to battle and die on the battlefield. It says that they, uh, they were so full of discouragement, their unbelief caused the nation to disbelieve. Their unbelief caused every other Christian to be discouraged. And when all of them were discouraged, you know what happened next? Is everyone started to blaspheme. They all started to go, man, it would have been better if we just would have all moved to Nashville. It would have been better if we just all would have just, it would have been better if we never would have moved to California and everybody else would have just moved to some other state that's conservative and godly and let these wicked people just fend for themselves. I feel like preaching tonight, man. I don't know about this guy. I don't know about myself sometimes. I'm telling you that God is looking for men and women that do not have disbelief. That will not be a discouragement to other men and other women and other pastors and other movements and other states. Because the truth is, if God can do it in California, he can do it in any other state. What happens in California doesn't stay here. And I am persuaded that what we run from in the church of California will find us in the church of Tennessee. It'll find us in the church of Florida. It'll find us in the church of Idaho. So why not stand and believe God now? You'll blaspheme God. And you'll know if you get into blasphemy because you'll have a pity party. If you are full of unbelief, you will get discouraged. And when you're discouraged, you'll start causing everybody else to have a giant pity party. Everyone's, oh my gosh, we just, they cried all night. You know what's crazy is usually when you cry out to God, it says they cried all night, but they didn't cry out to God for help. They cried out, a, they cried out to God in disbelief. There is a major difference. God honors the tears of his saints. The Bible says in Revelation that he collects the tears of the saints. And when those tears fill up the bowls of heaven, it says he pours out. God answers the prayers. I believe that God answers the prayers of the saints with windows called revival. Revivals that lead to citywide reformation. Reformation that causes renaissance. But it starts with the, with the prayers, the cries, the tears of faith. And we know that these people are crying out, but God is furious. Because they're not crying out to God saying, God, we believe, but help. They were crying out to God saying, why did you bring us here, God? It would have been better to die before we started. You read the news of our day, some people on the news saying, I just wish I never was born. And I'm, gonna, I, I feel, I'm sorry, I've got to apologize in advance for where I'm going to get ready to go. I believe that we are living in a day right now that the same serpent's voice that lied to Eve and lied to Adam in Genesis chapter 3. Look, we know we wouldn't be in the mess that we're in if Adam and Eve were Cajun. They would have ate that snake. But unfortunately, they weren't Cajun. So what we know is, is that when the snake talked to them, they believed the snake. How do you know they believed the snake? Because they, they ate what they weren't supposed to eat. And here's a couple of things I know about temptation is, is temptation is an opportunity to accomplish a good thing a bad way. Yeah. Do you know what we live in today? A moral decline, a moral, uh, a moral darkness that we're trying to satisfy good desires the wrong way. You know what it is? It's, it's dangerous to linger in the place of temptation. It's a dangerous thing because the devil comes disguised. He comes to deceive. He comes to bring doubts. He comes to deny God's word. He comes to cause man to disobey God's voice. He comes to destroy. And you know what happens after they eat the forbidden fruit? Genesis 3 all the way to Revelation 21, God has to write a redemptive story. 
You know why all these pages, all these chapters in the Bible, God has to literally write 1,189 chapters later to actually redeem what was lost in the first three chapters. You know why? Because they listened to the wrong voice. When God addresses Adam and Eve, they said, we were scared. We were ashamed. You know what I know? Whenever you're listening to the wrong voice, you'll always have guilt. Talk to me, somebody. You know you violated your conscience when you start feeling guilt. And guilt always brings shame. And where there's guilt and where there's shame, guess who's coming next? Fear. How many people are in these tents tonight? You have shame. You have guilt. You have fear. And by the way, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, how do you deal with guilt? It's got to do more good deeds. I'm not becoming an LDS person. I'm not, I'm not going on six-year missions trip trying to earn my way to heaven. You are not going to outdo good with bad. I'm sorry to break it to you, ladies and gentlemen. I would tell you before the Lord tonight that God is not looking. He's, he's saying, look, you, you, you have a choice. You have a choice here. Um, so you, you, you listen to the wrong voice. Who told you that? That's what he asked him. Who told you you were naked? Who told you? That's what he said to Adam and Eve. And you know what Adam and Eve said? They're like, oh, we were afraid. We were afraid, so we hid. We were naked. We were afraid, so we hid. And I love God. He just goes, who told you that? I think of most of what we listen to today are actually farces, partial truths, People say things all the time like, like, you can't really know God. Who told you that? You can't heal from the wounds of your childhood, preacher. Who told you that? You can't, you'll, you'll never do anything great with your life. Who told you that? I would ask some questions tonight. Your life doesn't matter. Who told you that? You'll never get free. Who told you that? You're never going to get out of debt. Who told you that? Your marriage is never going to improve. Who told you that? Your child's never going to come back to God. Who told you that? You're going to die in the same broken condition you were born in. Who told you that? Quite frankly, I think too many human beings are believing the wrong report. And I would remind you, if Moses' greatest leaders, 10 out of 12, were saying the wrong thing, maybe we're, maybe we're just as guilty of being a part of the 10 either silent or 10 of the blatantly unbelieving people. I believe the church in America is in a very similar condition as the church in Germany during the 1930s. In the 1930s, there was all this political pressure on the church to say, you better, you better, you better fly the swastika flag outside of the church. You better come alongside. We, we study great men like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who willingly gave down his life. He, he was arrested in front of his church, was killed because he said, you can't kill Jews. We can't do evil. We can't just get put into the political pressure of our day. This is wrong. But you know what he was? He was ahead of his time. And I'm telling you that I think that right now, I can prove it to you, there's things that we can't talk about today. You'll get canceled. You talk about things like, well, I thought we lived in a land that has free speech. I thought we can talk about things. It's funny that you can say anything you want to say on only one side of the fence. If you want to know who's in charge, Find out who you can't talk about. And this is where we are today. And I'm sorry, I can't be quiet. We have a culture that's listening to the wrong voice. They say by 2025, there'll be over 25,000 young babies, young men, young women that have gone through a full sex transition into transgender lifestyles. I'm sorry, I'm not okay with 10-year-olds getting hysterectomies. I'm sorry, I'm not okay with 11-year-olds being castrated. I'm sorry, evil is evil, wrong is wrong. And we gotta stand up now, vocalize what we believe while there's still time. Do you believe it in Orange County? I'm not okay with it. Faith is more than just academic. 
Our faith is more than theological. It's more than just intellectual. It lives in every cell of our existence. One of the great scholars of old, he said this powerful phrase. He, say, he said this, there is not one square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign, does not cry out, mine. You know what? God owns everything. Do you know who God wants to know? Everyone. And we're scared to offend people. We're scared to say something that might be taken out of context. I'm telling you that popularity is killing more of God's prophets than persecution is. And we gotta speak the truth in love. Can I get an amen? We gotta do it. I just feel a burden today. We're in this point right now that the church stays silent in our nation over some of the moral issues of our day, we will go into a spiritual paralysis. God told me in 2020, he said, Mark, you're in California, so he told me, he said, Mark, if you just go along with what everybody else is doing, and as the world's going to hell, we don't like the direction of our school systems, we don't like the direction of our politics, we don't like the direction of what's happening morally in America. And he said this to me, he said, you can just keep singing louder, but why would you expect things to change? And here's what he told me, very clear. He said, Mark, what's gonna happen is X plus Y, X, if you do X, you'll get Y, or you will by default get Z. And here was the mathematic equation, which I don't like math, Did I tell you that already? God knew I'd be too powerful if I knew math. <laughs> he, uh, he said this, he said that we as Christians right now in America, we can unite over what we agree on, stand for truth, speak it in love, and see America experience a move of God. I want to remind you that revival doesn't start in our Capitol buildings. It doesn't start in Wall Street. The Bible says, if my people who call on my name. I want to let you know that all revival starts in the house of God. Can I get an amen? But he told me, he said, look, we can either serve God in freedom and liberty, or we can worship God in tyranny and bondage. And if you don't think that our freedoms are being absorbed, and you don't think there's some sort of antichrist spirit on the loose, I'm not some weird, I would, I would say I'm not a conspiracy theorist, I'm more of a spoiler alert guy now. I just want you to know there is a real evil in the world. And some of you don't believe in evil. It's like, well, well no, I, I believe in evil. I just don't believe in God. Well, you can't believe in one without the other. There is a real aggressive evil. It's not the Democratic Party. It's not the Republican Party. His name is Lucifer. Can I get an amen? He uses people. But I'm telling you that God told me, he said, we either unite. Could you know that if, if they would have united in the church of Germany, they had enough, they had enough cultural strength that if the German church would have rallied and said what's happening right now is wrong, and if they would have stood, they could have woke, they could have stopped the Nazis from advancing. All of the historians say it. And I just read this powerful book recently that talked about that we are living in an almost identical window in history that we're so scared to say anything if it doesn't go along. You know what they did is they flew flags like swastikas outside their church buildings because of political pressure. How many churches are flying flags outside today? I, I don't, don't get me started. We love everyone. But, but listen to me, we gotta speak the truth in love. We gotta be kind, but we, gotta, we can't be so kind we don't have standards. We can't be so kind, we're like, uh, there's no such thing as right or wrong. Do you know what truth does sometimes? It offends people. How do you know? Because it actually proves, it exposes everybody else's lies. That's what truth does. Do you know that truth, it, it works every time? That's why truth is not relative. Jesus didn't say you'll know a truth. He says, I am the way and... He didn't say he's a truth, he says he's the truth. Which means that when truth shows up, all the lies are exposed. 
That's why hell likes that they, they hate truth because it reveals. Like, like if I measured our tent from there to there, and I'm like, I, I guess it's, uh, I guess that's 45 feet, and Joel's like, that's 50 feet, and Benny goes, that's that's 60 feet. We all guess, but we know that Benny is wrong first. I'm okay, 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 okay. I got the mic up here. I'm gonna get hurt tomorrow. <laughs> but let's just say Philip Hussey, he breaks out a tape measure. And he goes, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Do you know what his truth did? Exposed our lies. You know what God's word does? It exposes the cracks in our society. And I just want you to know at Ocean's Church these next 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 years, we're going to stand for truth. I don't care if everybody else is bowing. As far as I'm concerned, God can take this land. I don't care if it swallows up other Christians. It's not swallowing us up. I don't care if other people have been damaged by it. It's not going to damage us. I don't care if there's more in their camp than our camp. We have God. Do you believe in Orange County? Because like I said, God can do anything with anyone at any time. Grab a seat. I want to ask you tonight, who told you that? Who told you the church should be empty? Who told you the church shouldn't be glorious? Who told you that when you don't like furniture in your house that's old and nasty, you should donate it to the church? Who told you that God needs your charity? Who told you that God's worthy of your tip money? Who told you that God deserves your leftover time? Who told you that God is only worth kind of talking to when you're in trouble? Who told you that God's not worthy of your full surrender? I believe too many people have believed a lie. Who told you you were naked? Who told you that you can't talk about protecting life? That's a political issue. No, that's a biblical issue. Who told you you can't talk about sexuality? That's a political issue. That's a, that's a biblical issue. You can't talk about that. You keep your politics out of the church. That's, that's biblical. And my fear is because pastors like Germany have been shamed into speaking up. You know what's happening? The same thing will happen to your kids if you don't teach them about sex. They're going to learn about it in the junior high locker room. I refuse that our church learns about right and wrong from some CNN, Fox News outlet of partial, twisted truth. We're going to get truth in the house of God. Can I get an amen? We're going to stand on this book. We're going to build our life on this rock. We're not building on sinking sand. And I don't care if it's trendy. I don't care if it's popular. I don't care if they take our tax exemption. Care less. Care less if we lose people in this church. You want to go to an average church that doesn't want to offend anybody? There's plenty of them. But if you want to go to a church that people come out of dark lifestyles in, you want to go to a church that people actually get out of their darkness, come out of their old lifestyle, they have a before Jesus and an after Jesus life, this might be the place you enjoy going to. Sorry, I'm fired up, man. Who are you listening to? Who told you that Christianity isn't worthy of your life? I say, everyone stand. I'm almost finished. Everyone stand. Do you know what luxury the persecuted church can't have? To be divided. I've been all over the world. I've been, I've been all over to hostile nations, non-godly nations, wicked nations, nations that are persecuted going to India next month. And there's parts of India right now you can't even go visit. I can't even visit some of the places that we have orphanages because the persecution is so crazy right now. And you know what's crazy? You go to these other nations, they don't have all these fights over God doesn't do miracles. That church is of the devil because they speak in a prayer language. They want every ounce of God that's available. When God's all you have, that's all you, that's all you want. But in America, we're like, we're so blessed. We're like, ah, well, that church has got good coffee. I like their kids' ministry, and 
I just don't like being burdened with meeting outside in the tents. It's like, I, I, God's there stronger, but I just, I prefer to be in like an $80 million building with like AC and like I have a valet parking spot for me when I, it's like, I'm not driving to the church closest to my house. I will drive to the church that's closest like the Bible. That's what I want. That's what I want for everybody in Orange County. And there's a lot of great churches in Orange County. But quite frankly, I think we pick churches for the wrong reasons sometimes. Go to the church that has fire on the altar. Come on, you love them tonight in Orange County? Let me pray for you. God, I just ask you that you would, uh, you'd be at a period explanation point to this atmosphere tonight. I want to say thank you for every marriage that's been restored, every son and daughter that's gotten saved. I want to say thank you for every financial miracle, every miracle of healing. Thank you that God, I'm in, as we prayed for him as he was on a ventilator. Thank you that he's one of my best friends now. Thank you for the great men and women that you've shown up, you've done great exploits for. Thank you for all the souls. And tonight, as we give you the next five years, the next 50 years, I don't know if you guys know this, but at our staff retreat, the second night of our retreat, our prayer time went something like this. God, let the revival of Ocean's Church not stop with our generation. You know how we brought our kids in there? We prayed over our children that they would carry the flame to the next generation. And I believe that until the Lord, would, whether he tarries, I don't know if he's coming back soon or not, I do believe he's coming back to Orange County first. Says there's no wrinkles in the church. It's got to be Orange County. But I know this. I believe that Ocean's Church will be standing. That's been Rochelle and I's prayers. Lord, whether it's five years or 500 years, let Ocean's Church be on the ground building, standing until you return on the earth. I remember Bit gave me this prophetic word one time in a prayer time, and he said, Mark, I had this vision of Ocean's Church, and I, I think it was in the future. He's like, but I had this picture, and I felt like God was telling me that Ocean's Church will be thriving on the earth when Jesus returns, even if it's a long time from now. And I say yes and amen to that. This is not a 40-year fling. This is not a 50-year church cycle. This is going to go on to our children and our children's children, lest the Lord tarry. You believe that in Orange County tonight? That finish up the record. I uh, want to pray for you. Can I ask you tonight? How many tonight would you say, "No, Mark, I want to be like Caleb and Joshua"? God doesn't need your, doesn't need your stats, your odds, doesn't need your military plans, doesn't need any of that stuff. He just needs you to have belief. He said, "Assess the land." Be of good courage and bring back fruit. Do you know what I love about Orange County? Do you know why they named it Orange County? I did some studies. They named it Orange County. Yeah, good, good guess. The fruit, the fruit. I perceive a rocket scientist in our midst. <laughs> he must be a prophet. Um, I read this. This is so cool. The great scholar Wikipedia said this. Wikipedia said the, the founders named it Orange County because they said this statement. And honestly, these words jumped off the page and smacked me in the face. Here's why they said they called it Orange County. They said, we wanted to name it Orange County, not just because of the fruit and all these things and all the vineyards, orange trees. They said this phrase. They, they said, we want to name Orange County because anything grows there. Do you know that the last generation the two largest churches in the state of California. You know what county? Two of the great churches in our day. Saddleback Church, the great Rick Warren, Kay Warren, and the great Mariners Church, Kenton B. Shore, now Eric Geiger. Amazing churches. Two biggest in the state. Guess what county? You know why? Because anything grows here. But listen to me, it works both ways. Wickedness grows here. Perversion will grow here. Righteousness will grow here. Whatever we put in this soil is going to grow. Do you believe that, Orange County? If we put a healthy church in this soil, it's going to grow. We put a spirit-filled church in this soil, it's going to grow. 
We put a church of Acts in this soil that's going to grow. And that's what we're here to do. So you say tonight, Mark, I want to believe God. I'm not a retreater. I'm a believer. I'm not a retreater. I'm a believer. God's brought an army into this place. And if you tonight feel faith in your heart to say, I want to believe God, we can take this state. We can take back control. We can take back righteousness. We can stand once again. We can, we can evict the devil from our county. If you believe that God can do it, lift your hands tonight. I pray for every person with their hand up. I pray whether they're a doctor, an attorney. I pray the school teachers, mailmen. I pray tonight, Lord, for dog catchers. I pray for nurses. I'm praying for pastors. I ask you, Lord, to raise up a standard. We know the fruit here is worth fighting for. I repeat, the fruit here in California is worth fighting for. So God, tonight, I ask you for faith. Come on, say faith. Get to pray tonight. Say, Holy Spirit, I ask you, forgive me for unbelief. Tonight, I ask you for great faith. We can take this land. There's more with us than there is against us. This giant is going to fall in Jesus' mighty name. Someone said amen. Yeah, I feel something here. We're gonna sing this song in just a second. Just a second. I heard a story of a general. I think it was in Vietnam. It was before Vietnam, Korean War. I heard it recently. And this general had some troops next to him, seasoned, this, this like high-ranking general. And his troops said, General, we are literally, this is a true story. He said, literally, we are surrounded on every single side. We are literally fully surrounded. And the general looked at the troops as cool as ice. And he said, that's good news. We can point in any direction and hit the enemy. I believe we can aim in almost any direction and take out some of the darkness of this land. Do you believe it? I'm going to pray a prayer, and then we're going to go bonkers one time, and I'll get you out of here tonight. If you're here tonight, and you need to give your life to Jesus Christ, He is the way. Not any way, He's the way. He is the truth. Not any truth, He's the truth. And He is the life. The only reason you should live life, the main reason that life is good, is because of Jesus. If you're here tonight, I want you to raise your hand all over the tents. I'll, I'll ask you to close your eyes all over. I'll give you three seconds tonight. I get right with Jesus Christ. Some of you might be high. Some of you might be living with your boyfriend, your girlfriend. Some of you might be in a homosexual relationship right now. Some of you might have got a transition already. Listen to me. God's love is not out of bounds. God will meet you right where you are, as you are, how you are but he'll get you out of that street. If you're here tonight, far away from God, or you've never known Jesus, but you want to, your heart's beating out of your chest, you feel like I've been talking to you this whole time. I haven't, God has been. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. The tents are dark, so please put it up high. I'll give you three seconds. You say, Mark, I'm living for Jesus. I'm gonna be strong, I'm gonna be courageous. I'm not listening to the wrong voice anymore. I'll give you three seconds. One, hands are going up, I love it. Two, Holy Spirit, I pray everyone that needs to get right with God tonight would raise it up real high, keep it up. Three, real high, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me, real high. Thank you, in the back, in the back. I see you, I see you, I see you. I think I see four hands. Anybody else? Awesome. Awesome. Oceans, let's pray this prayer. We're going to go crazy. You ready? Say, Jesus, I invite you. Fill me. Forgive me. Heal me. Lead me. Guide me from this day forward. I ask you for a personal relationship. Give me a love for the Bible. Give me a church home. And give me friends that can show me your ways. In Jesus Christ's name.